One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing, this is the show for you. Yes, it's Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete. Today, we'll unpack a difficult night for Joe Joyce last weekend at the Copper Box as the juggernaut suffered a TKO defeat to Gilei Zhang after the Chinese fighter forced his eye shut. Yep, six rounds of mayhem for the juggernaut. We'll hear from Joyce. I spoke with him immediately afterwards, and he insisted he will be back after what he described as an off night. Myself and Nick will discuss what exactly his next move ought to be from here. Where does Saturday night's fight leave both fighters amongst the heavyweight landscape? We'll be discussing reports of a tournament-style event, rumoured, yep, rumoured, to be taking place in Saudi Arabia later this year. And we'll hear from Deontay Wilder's trainer, Malik Scott, who says a fight with Anthony Joshua could well be in the works. Plus, we'll be getting stuck into the biggest fight of the year so far, which takes place this weekend in Paradise Las Vegas. As Javonta Davis and Ryan Garcia, two of what I call the five lightweight kings, square off. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. back uh, it's not the not the end of my journey and uh, uh, if I decide to rematch him next or, or whenever I'll be back anyway I'll be reviewing my my loss and see where I can make the improvements and stuff but yeah just massively disappointed I thought I'd get the win tonight those rumors are true negotiations are going on and on um, big fights are going to be happening not just with us with a lot of top fighters at the, in the heavyweight division in Saudi Arabia an eight-man tournament that would be amazing that would revolutionize boxing you know, I now force everyone to fight everyone. You like to fight guys that don't hit hard. But guess what? I do hit hard. And when I hit you with that left hook, what else? Yeah, what else? What else? You're going to see every watch. What when else? I hit you with it, you're going to be like, what? You're on the floor. What else? Sleep. What else? Good night. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to knock him out. And that's it. We'll see you April 22nd. Welcome, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm still, uh, well, I'm ex- super excited for a massive fight, as you've just teed up there, coming this weekend. A great fight on British soil as well with Joe, Joe Cordina back in world title action. Boxing kind of feels like we're getting over a speed bump, aren't we, Gareth? The, 
Hopefully, we're going to tackle the Conor Ben issue at some point on this show. We, that's that's made a positive step in the right direction. But yeah, come on, let's let's make this a positive show. Let's be happy because good things are happening in boxing once again. Well, we'll see about that when we get <laughs> over the next hour. Um, yeah, um, look, um, it it was a big shock. I think it was the upset of the year on Saturday night when uh, Joe Joyce really got zinged and zanged and banged and janged. Uh, with with a left hand, which uh, basically left hand from hell in lots of ways, lots of angles. Uh, Zhang showed all his experience. I do think it was the upset of the year, but when we watch it back, or as it played out in front of us live on Talk Sports, Zhang was the better man, much the better man on the night. Um, it was a shock. Um, it was a shock that Joyce never really got into second or third gear, but that's taking nothing away from Zhili Zhang, who was brilliant all week and brilliant on the night. How did you see it? How shocked were you by the manner of the defeat? The manner of the defeat, the actual result, I'd, I'd say, wasn't that big of a shock because I do rate Zhang. You know, he's a former Olympic silver medalist, just, just like Joe Joyce himself. He's been here to the UK. He was at London 2012. That's not where he won his silver medal, but he, he lost to AJ in the quarterfinals. He's very well tra- travelled. He's based out of Jersey. You know, he's built up a, this unbeaten record up until his previous, his last fight, actually, against Hergovic when he got robbed of a, a decision where he probably should have won that night. And I, I just feel like a fighter like that with his back against the wall where it's like, it's now or never. It's, you know, this is basically your last chance to, to jump into this heavyweight queue. I knew he would turn up. I knew he would be switched on. But it, so, so the result, not necessarily a massive shock, but the manner of a performance, Gareth, you're absolutely right. That was a massive shock because... I didn't think Joe Joyce could perform this badly. I think everything from the ground up, I know he's described himself as a bad night at the office. It was a disastrous night at the office for every single person involved with Joe Joyce. The weight was wrong. The tactics were wrong. The approach was wrong. There was no plan B. It was a disaster. And I think the only thing he's got to do now is he's got to get straight back in with Zhang again and put it behind him, Gareth. Yeah, I I agree with you on all of that. He was too light. Um, his jab was taken away by Zhang, but Zhang creates angles. I, I'd always said this was a very dangerous fight for six rounds. And in those six rounds, it was Zhang that proved all the dangers. Joe, I don't think, really made inroads into Zhang. He even took the fifth round off yeah. for me, Zhang did, and had a really good look at him. You could really see Zhang's experience. He, do you know, he, he was a very interesting fella to be around uh, all week. He, he's a real, I mean, you know, I don't know if you do know, but I speak a bit of Chinese. I, I, I managed to connect with him a little bit. He's a, he's a real, um, he's got a wicked sense of humor. He's a little bit, he reminds me of Yusik and Fury and all some of those heavyweights that have a, a little bit of a screw loose. I mean that in a nice way. Um, but he, 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 he grew on everyone. And uh, obviously, he's become a player now in in the heavyweight division. Let's hear from Joyce. Um, he spoke with me in the ring after and says it simply wasn't his night. Just, um, just getting hit by that left hand uh, over and over. It's like I couldn't get away from it. He's quick and he's, he's strong and powerful and experienced. So yeah. credit to him and his team for getting the win. That was like, you know, when you take risks, sometimes it doesn't go your way. So I'm, I'm just disappointed. But I'll, I'll be back. Uh, it's not the not the end of my journey. And uh, uh, if I decide to rematch him, 
next or or whenever. I'll be back anyway. I'll be you know, I'll be I'll be reviewing my my loss and see where I can make the improvements and stuff. But yeah, just massively disappointed. I thought I'd get the win tonight, and um, yeah, sometimes it's just mate. Sometimes it doesn't go your way, and and that's what happened. What happened, I think, you know, from, from our perspective, anyone anyway, certainly from yours, he was able to create angles with that left hand. He's he's deceptive in the way he moves. Yeah. He, he's not he's not a great footworker, but he does create angles for that left hand. Yeah, and it just kept on getting my eye. Like I'm, I'm fine. I'm completely fine. But yeah, now it's closed up, so I can't, <laughs> I can't see out of it now. But yeah, it's um, so disappointing when you get a loss. But I'll be back. But mate, I'll just have to go back to the drawing board. Uh, I haven't fought Southport for a long time. So yeah, I just need to look over the tape. Like, I thought like I could, I could have carried on. I was taking his shots yeah. fine and stuff. But it's just unfortunate that I closed up. But I'll be back. Because he sneakily took a look in that his mum. I'll just let you two have a moment together. He, he, he took a sneaky look at you when Ismail Salas told you to, to bring it on in the fifth or sixth round, where when he was throwing punches for you to come back even harder, and he sat back and he just sneakily attacked your eye for that last kind of yeah. five or six minutes of the fight. And then as Howard Foster and the doctor decided, uh, you can't fight one eye yeah, in this sport. Yeah, it's an eye for an eye again. Now I've got my eye done. <laughs> Daniel Dubois could fight for 10 rounds and no one looked at his eye. Uh, no, no, Mum. Okay. Marvel's here and emotional, your mum. You're bound to be. Listen, yeah. we're going to leave you in peace right now. He said, by the way, to me five minutes ago, if Joe Joyce wants a rematch, I'll have a rematch. And I said, where? Yeah. He said, in London or Beijing. He doesn't yeah. mind. So would you like a rematch with him? Yeah, possibly. I'll, I'll t discuss with my team, like, see what my options are. It doesn't look good, like... Um, you know, taking the rematches really recently, I see to so maybe I'll take another one in the meantime yeah. or something like that, man. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just um, I'm just say uh, you know sorry to my fans and friends and family for uh, disappointing you getting a. Like, I thought I'd get the win here and uh, I'll be back. Yeah, the juggernaut just parked the brakes for a moment and then just come back. You'll have a look at it. You'll you'll work it out. You know what you're doing. He was sneaky in there tonight. He showed his experience. Yeah. He took advantage. You said it yourself. He took advantage of the things he was able to see through his own experience. Was when your eye was closing, he focused on hitting that eye over and over again. Yeah, it's like it's, well, it's like what I did. I got a bit of payback from uh, from the bar, I guess. It's bit, maybe it's karma. No, it's never karma. You come back much calmer anyway next time. <laughs> Thank you, Marvel. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Well, saying there, Nick, that he might take the rematch straight away. He might take a fight in between. But I'm inclined to agree with what you said just now. At 37, Zhang's 40 in a couple of weeks' time. There's no other way back for him to world title contention other than taking the rematch with Zhang. But the key is... Can he do any better the second time around? Uh, exactly, you know, and, and he he added to that later on in the in the media scrum in the back in the bowels of the copper box later in the evening when it was put to him again about the rematch. He kind of shrugged his shoulders and and made noises like he wasn't really that keen on getting straight back in with Zhang, and I can understand why because he was handed a boxing lesson for six rounds, and the, mm. the, you know, he, he didn't win a single round, in my opinion, I'd say, maybe the fourth, he had a little bit of an inroads, but only because Zhang took the round off, uh, and that's the alarming thing, you know, this is only the second Southpaw that Joyce has faced in the heavyweight division, um, and Southpaws are tricky, you know, Southpaws are difficult, if you're not used to facing them, they can present all manner of problems, but the work just didn't seem to be done, he seemed quite clueless on how to deal with Zhang, 
Also, his output levels were very low. That's something we've never seen from Joe Joyce before. He was throwing, you know, 20, 30, 35 punches per round in the first two rounds. Joe Joyce, that's kind of standard for heavyweights. Joe Joyce usually throws double that amount of shots, but I think that left hand from Zhang, which literally could not miss, checked them early mm. on. And from then, Joe Joyce was was second-guessing himself because where every time Zhang hit him down the pipe, it snapped his head back, or worse, it wobbled his legs. And in return... I don't remember a single moment where Zhang looked even uncomfortable, never mind hate, from what was coming mm. back in the opposite direction. I think it might have broke Joe's heart a little bit, but I think they will go away. They will look at it. They'll realise that everything was wrong. It was the wrong tactics, the wrong weight, the wrong everything. And they'll look around and say, well, who else is going to give us an opportunity to get back to within touching distance of a world title? Absolutely nobody's going to give Joe Joyce an opportunity to jump back into the queue because even though he looked flat on Saturday, he's incredibly dangerous and he's incredibly relentless. That's not, you know, it, it wasn't chin. It wasn't Joe's chin that let him down. It was his eye socket. It was an injury that let him down. Don't get me wrong. A fantastic stoppage win for Zhang, but it's not like Joe Joyce was put on the flat of his back and stopped and was knocked out. That's something different. And people know Joe is just a machine. So I think it's his only route back is to take on Zhang again. But of course, it comes with high risk because if you lose again at 37, yep. he's pretty much out of the equation forever. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all those points. There's nothing there that I, I don't see as being viable from what you're saying. Um, the key, The key is... He's not going to be able to move his head at 37. No. He's got to use his feet more. Yeah. Um, and he has to establish that jab early. His jab was taken away by Zhang. Um, and, and literally, the right hand was so low the whole time. Zhang was timing him. In fact, like you say, I don't remember a moment when Zhang... I can just see Zhang with his hands up, sneakily looking through, so conscious, so focused, and just knowing that he... He, it was a, it was the perfect performance by him in lots of ways. He nullified Joe at every step. I wonder whether Joe's going to have to go to Beijing to fight him because Zhang uh, was on pay-per-view for the first time in China, believe it or not. I think the um, the Lane brothers, Terry and Tommy, have done a great job with him while they've been with him. Mm -hmm. I think they were very unlucky that he lost to Hergovic out yeah. in Saudi. But I think his stock rose that night. Um, and it's weird because... I think the route for Joe is to take this guy again, but make it early inroads because Zhang does tire. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, he cannot take too many punches like that from a 20-stone man. There have even been people calling this week for him to retire, um, which is a bit early for Nonsense. me. But um, Yeah, it, it is. It is. But you don't want to see Joe take too many more batterings like that. Um but yeah, I've been racking my brains since Saturday night for what he could do. Does he have a fight with, say, a Dillian White? Dillian White was ringside there and spoke to us on Saturday night. He was after the winner, yeah. but he was after Joyce, really. Yeah. That would have been a good fight for Joe Joyce uh, in the summer. Dillian White, it's an O2 Arena sellout, probably that, but but not now, in my view. But, um, well, that's, that's, Very, very difficult night. Yeah, well, Joe, Joe's a top five heavyweight in the world, but as he was until Saturday night and his stock has now fallen. So he was an appealing opponent for Dillian White while he was ranked in the top five because Dillian's nowhere near it after what happened against Tyson Fury. But now Zhang 
has taken that star power away. You'll probably see now on everyone's rankings that uh, Joe Joyce will tumble down them. He's probably been replaced in the top five by the independent government, by the independent rankings, by somebody like Andy Ruiz rather than Zhang. But now Zhang becomes the target. Zhang becomes yeah. the mark guy. From a Zhang perspective, I don't think he needs to fight uh, Joe Joyce again. The, the rematch clause are ridiculous. I hate rematch clauses. They should be banned in all of boxing. If a fight is worthy of a rematch, the fans will demand it and the promoters will put it on because they'll know put bums on seats and eyeballs on pay-per-view. This is another situation where boxing shoots itself in the foot yeah. because now Zhang has effectively got to tread water and beat Joe Joyce a second time just to prove that he's a top 10 heavyweight. And Joe Joyce gets a lifeline that, with all due respect, he doesn't deserve. He got beat comprehensively. He lost every round and he got stopped by the doctor after six rounds. It's not, yeah. it, does, it can't be any more convincing than that. He should have to rebuild and Zhang should now move on and get a top 10 opponent, in my honest opinion. But unfortunately, that's not how the, way the heavyweight division works. And luckily enough for Joe Joyce, and we'll come on to this conversation, there's conversations about a, a four-man heavyweight tournament at the end of this year, which means that Joe Joyce... If he can get back in with Zhang, and if he can do a complete 180 and get the victory, then he's not really lost any ground in his pursuit of a world heavyweight title fight. Yeah, well, I'm going to say it now. Four-man tournament, maybe, but certainly not on the same night. But we'll come to that in a minute. I'm, the, 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 the other thing that finally on this is that Zhang, I spoke to Zhang afterwards, and um, he said that uh, he'd love to fight Tyson Fury. That would be his pick. Imagine Tyson Fury going to Beijing to fight him right now. That would be an, an amazing summer fight. Gareth, There's only 1.4 billion people in China. Imagine Tyson um, Fury fighting anybody right now. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be great. Yeah, it would. It really would. And it doesn't look like he is fighting anyone anytime uh, soon. Um, you're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll be looking ahead to arguably the biggest fight of the year this weekend as Ryan Garcia and Javonta Davis, two young lightweight stars, meet in Las Vegas. And we'll discuss reports that Conor Ben has been provisionally banned by UCAD, throwing his fight with Chris Eubank Jr. into serious jeopardy this summer. Next up, though, we'll talk about the proposed heavyweight tournament in Saudi Arabia later this year. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and my friend Nick Pete, who's on top form today, I must say. Uh, now, there's a heavyweight tournament in Saudi Arabia later this year. Is it true or not? What do we make of it as an idea? Let's hear from Deontay Wilder's trainer, Malik Scott, first of all. He told IFL TV that reports of a heavyweight tournament are very much true and that Wilder could well end up fighting Anthony Joshua. Saudi Arabia. To me, it's the threshold of opening up what boxing really is about to be on a high, high, high stage in extreme, incredible revenue. I'm on the inside of the meetings. Um, uh, Deontay has me sitting right next to him when we go in these meetings. Those rumors are true. Negotiations are going on. And um, big fights are going to be happening, not just with us, with a lot of top fighters at the, in the heavyweight division in Saudi Arabia. Deontay wants to fight. I want to fight. Shelly wants to fight for Deontay. This whole side over here wants to fight. We're going to see what AJ does. Now, the ball is kind of in his court, so we'll see how he's going to take advantage of it. But, you know, we're available and we're ready. Right, Nick. I have spoken this week. I heard Eddie Hearn. Um, I heard um, Malik Scott. But... Uh... On Tuesday afternoon, I spoke to both Warrens, George and Frank Warren, 
and I spoke to Alexander Krasiuk. Alexander Krasiuk told me, just to put us in the picture, that Alexander Usyk is in talks to fight um, uh, Daniel Dubois this summer, and that is ongoing. They're going to make that fight. That's what he's saying. Frank Warren said, we're not at the same table that Eddie Hearn is talking about with the Alexander Usyk, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder foursome in one night in Saudi Arabia, or maybe a tournament. They're not at the table yet. Um, is this wishful thinking <clears throat> on um, Eddie Hearn's part? Is he trying to explain AJ's decision, Anthony Joshua's decision, to delay his comeback to December and make it have more sense? Because for me, it's Eddie putting it out there. Yes, there was a cavalcade, a waterfall of noise around it, when he did that IFL interview um, earlier in the week. But is it realistic? Can it really happen? And can we really see these four guys fight on the same night? Boxer needs it to happen. It's very romantic and it sounds incredible. And it's the type of fight that, you know, back in the the 80s, we often seen crazy cards like this with multiple world title leading contenders on the same card doing these kind of eliminators. We've seen it just a couple of years ago on a different scale with the World Boxing Super Series where the Sowlands were able to bring together the best cruiserweights and the best bantamweights. And we've seen superstars like Alexander Usyk and, and Inoue get crowned as undisputed champions because of these tournaments. They're fantastic. And this would be incredible for boxing. But let's be honest, you're talking about four different promoters Four different broadcasters, an absolute headache to put it together. Listen, money talks at the end of the day. If the Saudi Arabians can come up with half a billion dollars, then who knows? Maybe it could happen. I think we should all pray it happens because, again, this brings more, something like that would bring more eyeballs and more attention, positive attention to the sport of boxing than anything we've seen in a long time. So, romantically, I want to be invested, I want to be involved. Do I believe anything Eddie says anymore? Not after the kind of Ben Eubank scenario. It's hard to trust anything that comes out of his mouth anymore. But come on, Gareth. Let's be positive, shall we? Let's pretend it can happen. And let's pretend the Saudis can bankroll it. And if it does, what a night that would be. The four best heavyweights on the planet in a shootout to set up a 2024 final. Lovely. Well, you know, if you take the top line, Tyson Fury against Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder on the same card on the same night would be an extraordinary event. But come on, Nick, in reality, it's a truly impossible scenario and will not happen. It's going to take, as Eddie Hearn said, it will take about 320 million quid, 400 million dollars in my view. Saudi Arabia have the money. Yeah, um, They've shown they've got the willingness and the ambition to deep dive into boxing. Yet getting four of the biggest boxers in the world, their teams, their broadcasters together to make it happen really is, for me, an impossible dream. But in the last week or two, the movers and shakers in the background are going over the possibilities. There's nothing wrong with the idea, but I'm afraid in practice it will not work. Deep down, I think Eddie Hearn knows this, but it's a great gambit and it's still part of the, the epic game, that power-broking chess that's ongoing at present. Uh, in heavyweight boxing's Game of Thrones. But I do think it's possible to create a three-night tournament where you could have Usyk against Fury. You could have Wilder against Joshua. Massive gamble, by the way, for Joshua and Hearn, in my view. And then the winners meet. Now, 
if I pick my two winners, we'll end up with Fury Wilder 4 and Usyk Joshua 3 um, in the, on the third night. Um, but look, I like you, it would be amazing if it does happen. As you rightly say, you go back to 1986-87 and, and there was a thing called the Heavyweight World Series, which you kind of touched on mm-hmm. there, which involved a huge sequence of professional boxing matches to crown the undisputed heavyweight champion. It was promoted by Don King. Yeah. It was broadcast on HBO Sports and ended with Iron Mike Tyson as undisputed champion. He held the IBF, WBA and WBC titles. I'm old enough to remember that. They were different times. But if Mike, imagine if Mike Tyson was in his pomp now, willing to take on all comers three times a year. You suspect we might have a series of events planned in the Middle East with that shift having come really quickly. The point you made just now about wouldn't it be great to see Tyson Fury in any kind of fight at the moment, that's what we really need now. The willingness of all the fighters to say, yeah, let's get it on. Let's make this worthy. And maybe they could extend the tournament, as I spoke with Dillian White earlier in the week. Um, They could actually make it an eight-man tournament. There's enough money to make an eight-man tournament tournament in boxing in heavyweight boxing and it will be absolutely brilliant there is absolutely uh, and i get what you're saying i like the fact that alexander usik out of out of those four is the guy that's willing to you know keep active and take on daniel dubois take care of one of his mandatories i think tyson fury should be doing exactly the same thing i'd love to see aj in another fight because i'd like to see him be a little bit more convincing before he gets in with any of the aforementioned other three i think it's a mm. tactic from eddie Hearn to so, so everybody discusses this quartet, these four guys as the top four guys in the world. Suddenly, this was kind of sleeked out just before Joe Joyce's fight, just in just in case Joe Joyce looked great against uh, Zhang. It was a little way of saying these are the best four in the world, by the way. Whereas, absolutely, I think if Joe Joyce had beaten Zhang inside six rounds, we'd all be saying, "Wait a minute, why is Anthony Joshua in this four? Uh, when when Joyce is the guy that's most deserving?" So, I think there was a little bit of tactics played there, but hey ho, it's played out perfectly. These are the four names. The point is, Gareth, we couldn't even get Usyk versus uh, Fury over the line for Wembley Stadium early in this year. And now we're supposed to be enamored and engaged over a four-man, two-fight tournament to happen later in the year. As you say, it's next to impossible. These guys just need to start fighting. For me, out of them all, it's only kind of Usyk that is, that is willing to take on anybody. I want to see AJ win. I want to see him AJ look convincing before he does anything else. All the noise after Franklin was new coach. It's a new setup. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. And now you expect us to believe he's going to sit on the bench for seven months and then take on Deontay Wilder, who even AJ had his pump wouldn't have faced anyway. It's all smoke and mirrors. And this is the problem with the heavyweight division because it leads the sport of boxing and it lets us down so convincingly. Look what you've done. You've made me get negative. I wanted to say positive today, but this well, heavyweight well, division breaks us, Gareth, doesn't it? That's what I'm saying. Listen, I live with it. I say I live with this every day. I, I live with the thoughts about this every day. I live with broadcasting about it every day. And like you say, that when, when heavyweight boxing is healthy, the whole of boxing uh, is healthy. Yeah. And... We, we should be going into this week. Yeah, we should Correct. be going into exciting thoughts about um, Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk fighting each other at a sold-out England National Football Stadium at Wembley this 
you know, in, in the next 10 days, it would have just been so exciting. And we're not. Instead, we're talking about possible, probable, impossible dreams. And, you know, one of the big things about... I don't agree with you about Alexander Usyk either, by the way. I think he's holding out for the money as well. Um, I really do. I do think he's... Fury made it difficult for him in that negotiation. There's no doubt about it. Fury blew it, all, in my opinion. But, but they're all... Yeah, maybe. But they're all tempted by that money that's going to be available in Saudi Arabia. And, and, the, and, and, and the, all roads are leading towards there. I think that's why... I do think that's why Anthony Joshua has decided to, to hold out for something big in Saudi. There's no doubt they're talking about he against Wilder there later on in the year. Let's just listen to Dillian White for a moment, talking to me about how a heavyweight tournament would be great for the division. An eight-man tournament, that would be amazing. That that revolutionise boxing, you know, and that will force everyone to fight everyone. You know, you understand? And then it would be worthwhile doing because okay, you might lose here, but you, you still got a chance. You understand? Or someone might get injured and you can come back in and and end up winning the whole thing. You know what I mean? And that's everywhere boxing is about drama and and excitement. You know what I mean? And that's what's lacking in the division: drama and excitement. And this is what people need to do: try and bring back that drama and that excitement. Finally on this, Nick, um, and, and I don't disagree with him that they have the money for, for a bigger eight-man tournament. Um, the problem is these kind of teases that go on all the time. We had it two and a half, three years ago nearly with, well, we had it longer than go than that. 2018, they were talking about Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. 50 million, all that kind of stuff. That was the big tease. Then the two fights with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, which got very close. Then the arbitration case. Um, and, and Fury went and fought Wilder, which we didn't want, but in the end, it ended up as a great event. Then you had um, Fury and Joshua, a fight that never happened. Then Fury and Usyk, that never happened. The problem with this scenario, the reason I'm being negative about it and not projecting it is because it's not realistic. It's realistic for two of them, but not four of them at the moment. And all we're going to do is another spiralling situation, if it doesn't happen, where the fans have been teased again. and. It, and everyone says, oh, they can't make the fights in boxing. So I think it's it's a double-edged sword right now. And, and it's a very difficult scenario. You said it 10 minutes ago. The key is they all need to say, we need to fight. And I'll tell you something. Usyk, Joshua, Fury and Wilder all have enough money in the bank that they don't have to fight. And I don't say that's part of the problem because it's them putting themselves on the line. But it does create a problem in terms of getting the fights made. Yeah. Plus the money that's available in Saudi Arabia. Exactly. And don't forget, these people are industries. They have hundreds of staff and people working around them and everything else that live off their success and their ongoing success. But at the end of the day, they've all got to look themselves in the mirror when they retire from the sport and say, was I the best heavyweight during that era? In fact, did I even take my shot at being the best heavyweight of that era? And right now, not one of the four can say, yes, they have. Because Fiori's no. fought just two guys in the entire top 15. At least AJ's yeah. fought six of them. Okay, he's come up short against one of them, two of them actually. But at least he's taken a shot. But he hasn't faced Fiori. He hasn't faced Wilder. These They have to face one another. So when they retire, we can all pat them on the back and go, good on you. You had a good crack to define your legacy in that era. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Usyk needs to fight Wilder and Fury needs to fight Usyk and Joshua. Um, and that those fights need to happen, need to happen. I mean, to happen. I mean, I mean, I, 
to to decide the the peak, the peak, the summit of, of the year. I completely agree with you. Um, look, from from that, we'll go into a little bit more good news uh, in the next um, section. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Coming up, we'll discuss the latest regarding the Conor Ben saga. Reports has been provisionally banned by UCAD, which will seriously impact on any plans he may have on returning to the ring this summer. But next up, a huge fight this weekend. We'll talk Javonta Tank Davis and Ryan Gosp. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. such a big event but I know I'm coming out on top it's one moment it's a thing it's one thing to get to the moment it's another to conquer the moment Javante Davis Leo Santa Cruz two champions with the hearts of champions if Davis thought Santa Cruz was going to fold from his He's not a complete fighter. He's not. And that's why I want to come April the 22nd. I'm going to walk you to the deep waters and I'm going to drown you. They're going to have to pick you up. Bernard, Oscar, and uh, Joe Goose are going to have to pick him up. And I promise you that. I promise. And that's it for me. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and my friend Nick Pete, who's going to get happy in this section. 
Um, before we get <laughs> before we get into the fight itself, how good for boxing that this fight is going ahead with two fighters in their prime. Um, also, of course, um, in May we get uh, Devin Haney, who is the undisputed champion at in the 135 pound division, fighting Vasil Lomachenko. Um, plus, we've just had Shaka Stevenson, who I think is the fifth of the top five in that division. I don't know if you agree with me, Nick, uh, fighting uh, last week, who was just brilliant, um, exposing the level that he really inhabits. I think he's the best of the lot of them. You can disagree with me on that. You're a big advocate of bidding the belts, Nick. Does it bother you yes. at all that this fight is at catch weight? Absolutely not. I'm all for catchway fights when it makes sense for the fighters. I've got an issue with the rehydration clause. I think if two fighters make weight at a certain time the day before a fight, their rehydration should be 100% down to them because it's about becoming as, as you know, recovering as safely as possible. So I do have an issue that Ryan Garcia can only put a certain amount of weight on. But the fact that there's no belts attached to this makes me so, so happy because this is going to generate tens of millions of dollars. The fighters are going to make a fortune and none of the governing bodies are going to get 3%. That is progress, Gareth. Mm -hmm. That is why we started the Bin the Belt campaign because it doesn't need the belts. We know what this is. This is a final eliminator to take on the winner of Haney versus Lomachenko. Haney Lomachenko, that's for undisputed. That's for number one spot in the lightweight division. Currently, Currently, Devin Haney's spot. Lomachenko has taken a shot at that. The winner should fight the winner of the fight this weekend. And as you say, when that's all done and dusted at the end of the year, guess who's riding over the hill? The one, the only, the superstar, Shakir Stevenson. You're right. Lightweight is on fire. And over the next 12 months, this lightweight division, if the fighters themselves keep wanting these fights. And so far, they're fighting each other. This is what we want. Mm. As long as they keep getting after these fights, lightweight's where it's going to be at for the next 12 to 18 months. I agree. Because there is a willingness for at least these five and others to meet each other in the ring. I do think at the moment, this is the most exciting division in boxing. Um, and the fact that a month apart, we've got four of the very, very best boxers in the world, technically the best boxers in the world, meeting each other. I mean, you could make a case for all four of these boxers being in the top 10 pound for pound in the world. And for that very yeah. reason, I think it is the best division. And it does put the little guys, or say the lightweight guys, are putting the heavyweight guys in the shade right now. Let's let's look at the fight. Um you know, I mean, I <laughs> I don't like it when fighters do this. They've they've been on. Um, I mean, I saw it on on reels on Instagram, but they've been on uh, saying they'll put everything, uh, their whole purse <laughs> on on the fight that the winner takes all. I don't like these scenarios um, because I don't hope they don't do a contract to do that. The lawyers won't let them do no, that, Gareth. I think we not. both let's know that. Let's hope not. Um, <laughs> because it's very foolish in the extreme. But then you go, there, there, there you go with the arrogance of youth. But um, look, let's, let's have a look at the fight breakdown. Um, Tank Davis, jack in the box, very fast, has got everything. Uh, brilliant mover, can be elusive if he wants, can box on the back foot, come in and out. Shorter man, shorter reach. Um, Ryan Garcia, Great self-belief, great self-belief in his power, fast hand speed. I don't think there's anything in the hand speed. It'll all come down to timing. Um, I'm not going to do my pick right now, but those are the ingredients for me that make this a very thrilling, uh, a great dance 
Um, and when I see the silhouettes move, I'm just very, very excited to to be awake. I, I have to watch this live. I, I can't wake up in the morning and watch it. It's one of those that you've got to watch live. Um, I think it's going to be thrilling. I think it's gonna, there's going to be ups and downs in it. I think there's going to be dominance from either side. I think um, I think Tank will be tested more than he's ever been tested if he gets hit. If he gets hit, and I think Ryan Garcia is going to be up against a modern master. That's how I see it, and I think it just be thrills from first to last. You're talking about two guys here, very much at the peak of their powers. You know, I think their combined records of 51 fights, 51 wins, zero losses, 45 or 46 of those wins combined are by knockout as well. Garcia's the more natural, lightweight. You know, we've we've seen him up close and personal when he came over and beat um, and beat Luke Campbell, picked himself up off the floor to beat to beat Luke Campbell. We also seen, in fact, uh, Javonta Davis come over to the UK as well and beat one of the Walsh brothers, Liam Walsh, stopped him in three rounds. So the British fans are aware of who these guys are and have no doubt been charting their progress. Two of the most elite guys out there, and as you say, massive big pay-per-view drivers, Ryan Garcia's, got more social media followers than, than than I think the Paul brothers. You know, he's a social media superstar. Than anyone else in he's boxing. Done... Than anyone else who's yeah, of in boxing. Anyone. He's got more yeah. social media followers than the, than Devin Haney, Lomachenko and Javonta Davis combined. They were the other elite lightweights. And we talk about it so often now that social media, obviously the social media stars making it inroads into the sport of boxing. And we keep saying, listen, if you're a boxer, make inroads into the world of social media and, and, and steal that audience because that's how you generate cash and absolutely Ryan Garcia has done that but he's so much more than just an internet star yes he looks fantastic you know he's a chip off the golden boy block isn't he he's like a modern day Oscar De La Hoya he could walk a catwalk appeal to that whole Latino audience which is why he's such a driver but boy can he fight 23 wins 19 knockouts incredible power the bigger man the more natural lightweight, as I say. But in the opposing corner, you've got Javonta Davis, who's literally fought himself up from nothing from the streets of Baltimore. He's four years older. He's a multiple weight champion. He moves up and down the weights. He actually has missed weight previously as well. So even though there's a weight restriction on this fight, on what Ryan Garcia can get to, it's actually Javonta who's probably going to be the most watched man on the scales on Friday. But 28 wins, 26 knockouts for Javonta Davis. They don't talk, call him tank for nothing. And they've both been beaten elite, current and former world champions. It's a sensational fight, Gareth. For me, it's a flip a coin fight. I can see it swinging both ways. I really can. I think Ryan Garcia is going to find it hard to land his big shots on on Tank after two or three rounds. I think Tank, I, I just think he's got such extraordinary footwork. He does remind me of Shaka Stevenson in lots of ways. He's actually quicker, I think. Um, I've just got this weird feeling that Ryan Garcia is going to go for broke um, and he's going to find it frustrating against Davis. And I think Davis will catch up with him during the fight. And I actually think Davis will knock or stop a tired Garcia out in about the 10th or 11th round. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see it go the full distance because they're both incredibly tough. Ryan's got up, like you say, has got up off the canvas before um, yeah. against Luke Campbell. 
and, and finished Campbell. Um, but I just think that there's something, even though he's, I think he's likely to implode in his own life, I just think, and maybe not make it to the top of the pound-for-pound pound list, I just think Tank Davis might have his number late in the fight. And I, I think it's a massive test for both of them. Um, it is. You, you haven't picked, though. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've been, I've been flip-flopping both ways because, as I say, I can genuinely see both outcomes. I can yeah. see... Let, let's not come away from the fact as well, and I think this is important, this fight is happening because Ryan Garcia pursued this fight. Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis and maybe now Shakur that he's come up, they're all, you know, leading the line to be the next guy to take on the winner of Haney versus Lomachenko. Could have been any of them. <clears throat> Tank brings Tank's a, a more established pay-per-view star so far already in, in the US, but Ryan Garcia is this basically unpolished diamond. A big win for Ryan Garcia, a big win like this, a win over Javonta Davis. Overnight, Gareth, he becomes a pay-per-view megastar, oh, yeah. megastar. Yeah. And they know. So I think Devin Haney sees that. I think Tank, uh, he sees that with Tank. So for them to fight each other is a big risk because basically you're pushing the other guy out the way. You're going, I'm the guy now. You've got to face me next. But in doing so, in pursuing this fight, that just shows to me how confident Ryan Garcia is, that he's seen something that he believes he can exploit. He's got a really good lead left hook. I don't know, you know, I, I think the more the more we're getting closer to it, the more I'm seeing that confidence in Ryan Garcia. I think Ryan Garcia's got because I think he's gonna start as a slight underdog. I think he's gonna cause a big upset. I can see Garcia stopping tank and stealing all that momentum. And I tell you what, Haney and Loma will be begging for the chance to face him because he'll be such a big star. Well, like you say, that's what's great about this. You can see it going so many different ways. As you say, the there's future fights in the lightweight division um, with Devin Haney and Vasil Lomachenko. I think because Lomachenko and Haney and Shaka Stevenson are all with top rank, that may well be uh, the Shaka Stevenson will probably fight the winner of those two down the line. But listen, if it's that good on Saturday night, yeah. and they might need this, they might have a second fight, uh, Garcia and Davis. And it might be the second fight that tips them over into yeah. um, bigger names in the sport. I mean, it's still a trade fight in lots of ways. Yes, it is crossing over, but they've got work to go yet to be fully in the mainstream, if you know what I mean. But this is the beginning of all of that, and it's it's an extraordinary yeah. journey. Um, I'd like to have seen more international media travelling for this fight. I don't think there is as much as there should be. Um, no. But... This is the beginning for me of them becoming truly, truly big names. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we'll talk Conor Ben. His return to the ring looks set for another delay after UCAD provisionally suspended the fighter. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and him, Nick Pete, one half of the Fight Disciples. Now, Conor Ben has been provisionally suspended uh, by UCAD, UK anti-doping uh, authorities, and that was on March the 15th, uh, revealed by Boxing News on Tuesday. Ben issued a response on Twitter stating, I can't comment on anything to do with UCAD other than to say that I'm in touch with them. 
someone at the BBC, sorry, someone at the Boxing Border Control or UCAD obviously wants to create a headline, unlike the Khan, that's Amir Khan case, where it was kept quiet for 14 months, but this is nothing new. I remain free to fight outside the UK. Well, we'll see about that. Um, Eddie Hearn has also revealed, Nick, that Conor Ben's team have now shared his 270-page report that went to the World Boxing Council with UCAD. It was initially used as his defence into the WBC's investigation into his positive drugs test uh, for clomiphene. Hearn said he's unaware that Ben has been provisionally suspended by UCAD. Um, I want to say, here's another fine mess we've gotten ourselves into. Absolutely. For me, this is a small positive. It's a step in the right direction, at least. Conor Ben and his team are dealing with UCAD. The suspension now comes in on March the 15th. That's going to come back and bite him in the butt, though, Gareth, because... If he if he is found guilty of 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 a misdemeanor here, the positive test, the there isn't a, a a quantifiable excuse where the whole thing is scrapped, and it's looking increasingly unlikely that will be the case. His date will be backdated to when he was banned, suspended by UCAD, which is March the fifteenth. Whereas if they started this process. Yeah. Back when the fight was prohibited, if you remember the week of the fight at the back end of last year, that was six months ago. So he'd already be six months since was banned because, as we know, these things get backdated anyway. So I think they've dropped the ball here. But it's just great to see that finally, Connor, Eddie, everybody associated with this on their side has realised that we've got to move this forward. We can't just head off to Saudi Arabia and throw a fight on or Abu Dhabi and put a fight on against Manny Pacquiao or Kel Brook or even Chris Eubank Jr. because we can't get away with it. Not only with the public uh, demand better and certainly boxing demand better. The thing is, if UCAD now have, have suspended them, which they have, then UCAD, who adhere to the WADA code and other company, other drug testing outfits around the world who adhere to the WADA code will have to adhere to the UCAD ban. So I think what what Connor's saying is I remain free to fight outside the UK is utter nonsense because even if he were to try to fight, his coaching team, his promoter, his broadcaster would all be hit with serious ramifications by the British Boxing Board of Control. So he's not free to fight outside of the UK. That's not true. But the good thing is, as I say, we're making progress. Hopefully this moves forward. Let's just pray, Gareth, you can't don't take 14 months to deal with this like they took with Amir Khan. Yeah, well, they can't. Um, it's, a, it's been a very cack-handed route that this um, has gone for Conor Ben. I mean, I don't want to say that um, he's done the wrong thing because I think this is the right thing. It's something I've been calling for for a long time to have that 270-page document go before UCAD and, and have a hearing with their independent committee. It's not the Boxing Board of Control that hears it, it's the independent committee. But like you rightly mm-hmm. say, the key aspect of this is that it has um, serious ramifications for um, British Boxing Board of Control license holders, including Ben. Um, obviously, he doesn't hold a license at the moment because he surrendered his license, but it affects his promoter, Eddie Hearn. And it affects his opponent. Now, I wonder why this is, if this is the reason why Chris Eubank Jr. withdrew, as we understand from this contest in Abu Dhabi on June the 3rd. They threw it out there and it looks like he's going to fight uh, Liam Smith for a second time, which is a fight I want to see. I'm sure it's a fight you want to see. Um, But weirdly, 
behind the scenes, there's a confidence on Ben's side that they can push forward. But it remains to be seen whether any foreign sanctioning body is willing to exploit that that jurisdictional ruling. Because um, it will be a massively contentious fight under these under these circumstances that we now have. It's a very odd it's a very odd scenario. It may be that Ben has finally decided he's going to just have to take the decision that you can take for him yeah. and just take the ban, in my view, if he gets one. Well, it, if he, he gets one. Exactly. I'm just going to say he maintains that, um, you know, that the excuse that was actually put forward by the WBC and fo- following their investigation into his taking into account his 270-page document, it was the WBC that said, actually, what you've said in your document is that there was an issue with the testing process. That's not true. We're throwing mm. that out. Mm. But what we are offering is that your, you know, consumption of eggs may have skewed the test. So we're going to pat you on the back and put you back in the rankings and let you and exonerate you. Well, they can't, they can't do that. They're not a governing body. They can't, they can't exonerate him. He has to have, effectively, his day in court. He has to have a proper hearing. We need to get to the bottom of how that uh, Osterine got into his system. And, as I say, Connor himself said it, it's got Comerfine. nothing to do with Comerfine, eggs. Nick. Comerfine. Comerfine, sorry. Yeah, yeah Osterine was that the you're getting the, Yeah, I know, you're getting the mix up. No, it's all exactly. right. It happens. <laughs> what a horrific world we're in at the moment, Gareth. It is. Knowing it's, so it's, much it's, about it's, these bodybuilding yeah, supplements. Yeah, exactly. It's terrible. It's absolutely yeah. terrible. But... The good thing is the process is moving. Hopefully, the British Boxing Board of Control and Eddie and any and and, and the broadcast of the zone because you know the stench is on all of them. They must push UCAD to deal with this swiftly, effectively, thoroughly. Don't get me wrong. Don't rush anything thoroughly, but they have to push this to be dealt with as soon as possible. Not just for Connor's sake, because Connor needs to save his penance if there is one to save, and then be able to rebuild his career. He's not the only boxer that's ever failed a drug test, unfortunately. Certainly one from these British shores. There's many. Dillian White, Tyson Fury. They've all they've all uh, popped hot in the past and faced various suspensions and everything else and backdated bans. Connor's exactly the same. Mm. It's the fact they tried to get away with it. He needs to just have his day in court, get to the conclusion, and then move forward with his career. Yeah, this is the way for him to move forward. Otherwise, it would always have been under a horrible cloud of lightning and thunder that could come down at any yeah. time, in my view. And um, it might be very tough right now. He, he, and it's it, it's going to be hard for him to maybe accept what they decide. But, um, you know, in a weird way... Um, I really do think that with the WBC saying it could have been due to a surfeit of consumption of eggs, he should have seen that as an opportunity. And I don't mean this to, yeah, to get out, to, to have that hearing. And, yeah. you know, clearly they have found a reason why, he, even though he didn't want to accept it, but maybe that is the reason. So accept it. You know? but, then, but then Gareth, Connor from the very beginning has maintained that he's completely and utterly innocent so let's let's play devil's advocate for a moment what if he is what if he what yeah. if it is yeah and the two 270 page document proves that it's because of poor testing standards what if that is the case because it's in the wbc's interest to gloss over that because it it's is. their clean testing program that's worth tens of millions of dollars to them so of course they want to try and push that and brush that under the carpet if this is true it becomes a completely different conversation it's no longer about 
a single individual fighter and his team and what they tried to do. It's about the fact that the WBC's clean boxing program, which you don't get to opt in and out of, if you're going to be ranked by the WBC, you have to pay to be a part of. It's about that being flawed and flawed process. The problem here is this whole conversation, this whole 270-page document is about one of the failed tests. He failed two tests, Gareth. And that's the problem. He's got to prove that the test and procedure not only faltered once, it faltered twice. And that's going to be such a big thing to convince anybody, least of all UCAD and an independent governing body, that hopefully I've got no dog in the fight. They just want the truth. And that's what boxing needs, the truth to come out. And, of course, they're operating under strict liability. So... Um, Correct. Yeah, so... Um, you know, even if it is eggs, he's got a two-year ban hanging over his head. Yeah, yeah. Unless they absolutely believe that it's a unintentional, that a it's not, b it's not his fault, and c they well they just see something else there that they, as you say, the big problem for is from here for him is if it's a two-year ban and they've just provisionally, I don't know whether they will go back. To when he surrendered his they, license, or they, they no, they have to do it from the moment that you can suspend you, like with Amir Khan. It was all based around that April date, not when he, not when he failed the test. When they notified him, he was suspended through, due to an investigation. So this is exactly the same case. It will be backdated to March the fifteenth, as I say. He'll have lost six months yeah. in the process. Yeah, that's it's. Uh, he may end up ruining. The, the, the route that's been taken here and the amount of money spent yeah. on lawyers and all of those kind of things. Um, not a happy situation. Um, look, let's, uh, let's move on and look at what could be a very happy situation um, in Cardiff on Saturday night. Um, Joe Cordina looking to win back, undefeated Joe Cordina, 15 wins, nine knockouts. Uh, the 31-year-old super featherweight was at lightweight himself, of course. Shaka Stevenson, who we mentioned earlier, reckons that Joe was the best lightweight in the UK. Um, but he went down to super feather. He makes the weight well. He uh, he knocked out Kenichi Ogawa in the first round in Cardiff uh, back in when was it? It was it was uh, I want to say it was June, June last year. June. It was June. Brilliant performance against Ken Ogawa. A very very great Japanese fighter. Won the IBF Super Featherweight title, uh, didn't defend it. It was taken off him. It was won in the meantime by Shavkat Rakimov, who is an undefeated 18 fight uh, fighter from uh, from Kazakhstan. I think it is, isn't it? He's uh, a brilliant, brilliant, aggressive southpaw um, who's fought himself uh, against Jojo Diaz. Got a majority draw against. Uh, Jojo Diaz, who was undefeated at the time. Um, this is a really, really good fight that's not to be missed on Saturday night, Nick. Oh, it's a sensational fight. You know, it really is. And it's a, a massive test again for, for Joe Cordina. So what the, the, the background of the fight is that Rakimov was supposed to fight Ogawa last summer for the vacant world title and Rakimov got injured. So Joe Cordina was able to nip in front, take on a Gower on home soil, sensational second round knockout and he picks up the world title. Second round. Then quite dis- second round, yeah. Then quite disappointingly, the IBF um, said to, to Joe, right, okay, you've got so many days now to defend against Rakimov because he was the number one contender. And unfortunately, Joe picked up an injury and said, I'm going to have to push that back. I've got an injury. I won't be able to do it till next year. 
And they stepped in and said, no, unacceptable. Took the world title off him. Absolutely disgusting from the IBF. And they put the, 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 the title back in front of Rakimov. He went away, of course, won the title. But at least Joe was getting the first opportunity. So even though Joe Cordina is no longer the defending champion, he is uh, he's the champion in the eyes of the fans, certainly in the eyes of the Welsh fans this weekend. Never lost the title in the ring. And that's something that Rakimov's got to get over. Now, don't get me wrong, Rakimov can fight. He's a murderous puncher, really good mover, sensational. But you know what? So is Joe Cordina, Gareth. He might not have as many knockouts on his record, but just as he proved against Ogawa. Once you step up to a certain level and you've got a capable opponent that is looking to take your head off, like, like you're looking to take theirs, you get different opportunities. And I think against Ogawa, he proved that he's a genuine world-class talent and a world-class puncher. The atmosphere in Cardiff this weekend will be sensational, Gareth. Absolutely sensational. Yeah, it will. And we, look, we've seen Rakimov. Um, it was a brilliant fight with Zelfa Barrett, wasn't it? Um where Barrett had Rakimov down early um, and, yeah. and Rakimov finished Barrett, I think it was in the ninth, um, a really yeah. terrific fight. Rakimov does fall in a little bit when he fights. He's very tenacious, very aggressive, and he's a southpaw, of course. Um, but I think that bullish style really suits Joe's an orthodox boxer, boxer, but very clever, very adept, great mover, great counterpuncher, I see the styles suiting Joe if he can get the respect of Rakimov early. I think it's a long, tough fight, this. But Joe's a big super feather, isn't he? That's the thing about him. Having massive. come down, massive super feather, exactly. Come down from lightweight. It's a really hard fight to pick this because, it, again, it is a pick em. It's a 50-50. But I just think Cordina's going to do this in Cardiff. And I just think he's going to hang on and win on points in a really, really close fight. We might see both of them down in this fight, Nick. Absolutely. I think it's going to be that type of fight. I think the fans are going to be in for a treat. I think it's going to be unbelievable. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be another home fight for me. I can see Joe Cordina getting his arm raised at the end, at the end of a brutal war. But i tell you what, everyone who's got a ticket for the Cardiff International Arena this weekend, you have a part to play. You have to make as much noise as possible because Joe needs you on his side. Well, we'll be across that on Saturday night on Fight Night on Talk Sport Live, of course. Um, we will be bringing you all the results from that event in Cardiff. We've also got an hour-long special on Big George Foreman. I've interviewed him. and We've wow. got an hour-long special on the big man, on the movie that's now on his life, Big George Foreman. My thanks to you, Nick, for a great show today, uh, Fight Night Extra. You've been listening to us on TalkSport 2. Thanks a lot, Nick.